welcome to the Erie First Podcast, the weekly message series featuring Pastor Nicole Schreiber. Each year at Erie First, we set aside 21 days to specifically focus on prayer and fasting and to devote ourselves to hearing God more. Today, we're concluding our series aptly named Pray More. Pastor Nicole has led us through a lot of practical ways that we can increase the effectiveness of our prayer lives. So far, we've shared how understanding more about the ancient tabernacle can inspire our prayer lives today. We've discussed the prayer of Jabez and experiencing more of God's presence and protection. And Pastor Nicole has shared how we can pray the scriptures and pursue God's promises. Today, Pastor Nicole is going to talk about how we can go about praying for people in our lives who are far from God. She's going to get into the very practical steps that we can take to help those we know have an encounter with Jesus. If you'd like to follow along with our resource guide that contains fasting tips and a prayer plan that accompanies each of these messages, You can find that link in the episode description. So let's get started and discover what happens when we pray more. Here's Pastor Nicole. Hey, so in the beginning of this year, in 2023, I challenged us as a church to do something really simple, yet potentially really life-altering. And I challenged us with two words, pray more. Pray more. Can you say that to yourself this morning? Pray more. Pray more than you did in 22, pray more than you did last month or last week, increase and pray more. So this whole month of August, we've been engaging together and praying more. I hope that you found this Pray More booklet helpful. Raise your hand if you've opened it at least once in the last few weeks. All right, look at this. Awesome. If you haven't yet had the opportunity, grab one on your way out. It has a lot of plans that you can look at, ways to pray. Sometimes we just need a fresh, new um, strategy, right, or new pattern to get us into jump-starting our prayer life. So we want you to use this. We also are working on the Neighborhood Prayer Walk Challenge. Now, I have to tell you, last Sunday, I said, we need some Edinburgh and McCain prayers. And I'll tell you what, you came through because there's a bunch of red pins on that map. So good job. Some of you drove all the way out there. You don't even live there. But you said, I'm going to go out there and pray. And so you can find more information about the Neighborhood Prayer Walk Challenge on pages 7 and 8 of that Pray More booklet. But basically, we as a congregation are prayer walking in neighborhoods. We're prayer walking at the peninsula, downtown, anywhere that you feel led to go. And we are covering this county in prayer together. And so if you this week think to yourself, I need a place to go and do my walk or or to pray, check the map. And wherever there's not a pin, I want you to go there or drive there and pray over it so we can continue to fill up that map. Uh, We can take new territory for, for God. And so let's fill this county with prayer. Let's cover it with God's presence. Okay. Sound good? So we have talked about um, prayers through the tabernacle. We talked about the prayer of Jabez. And last week we talked about praying scripture. And so on our last week of the Pray More series, uh, we're going to look at how we can pray for those who are far from God. So first, the very first thing I want you to do today is take the prayer card out. It's in the pew rack in front of you. It looks like this. If there's not one there, any old piece of paper will do. Uh, But take one of these out. And I want you to just think for a moment about someone you know and you care about that is far from God. Someone you know and you care about that's far from God. And I want you to um, either put their name or their initials or 
If you're a good artist, you can draw a little portrait. Um, But I want you to be thinking about someone specifically today because this sermon uh, is very practical teaching. So you're going to need an object for this sermon today. So would you just take a minute and think of who that is? If you can't think of anyone, ask God uh, to bring a person to mind. You know, when Jesus lived on earth, he traveled to several cities and villages. And along the way, he encountered a lot of people. He met tall people. He met short people. Uh, He met rich people. He met poor people. He met people that became obsessed with him and wanted what he had and wanted to follow him. And he met people who totally ignored him and rejected him and even persecuted him. He met people who were awkward. He met people who were annoying. Jesus met a lot of people. And people have a lot of problems, (laughs) a lot like us today, right? He met a lot of people with a lot of problems. And it's interesting because we see in scripture that when Jesus met these people, he had a certain emotion, and this emotion might surprise you. I want to read it to you from Matthew 9, 35 through 36. It said, Jesus went through all the towns and villages teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. You know, the word used here in Greek is the strongest word for pity possible. It describes compassion, compassion that moves a man to the deepest depths. When Jesus saw people all, all the people, he described the men and the women he met like sheep having no shepherd. This is a metaphor for a person who is far from God. He called these people helpless and harassed. They were in a lot of trouble without the care of a shepherd. You know, sheep, uh, I don't know a lot about sheep, but uh, just doing a little research about sheep, they're built in such a way that if they fall over, Uh, on their side and then onto their back. They're kind of like turtles. They actually can't get back up, okay? And they, they flail their legs in the air and they bleat and they cry and they can't get up on their own. And after a few hours on their back, uh, Google told me that gas begins to collect in their stomach. Kind of sounds like Thanksgiving, but um, the stomach hardens then the air passage is cut off, and eventually the sheep suffocates. Now, this is referred to as a cast-down position. And so when a shepherd watches their sheep and finds a sheep in a cast-down position, he turns it over, he reassures it, he massages its legs to restore circulation. He gently turns the, uh, the, the sheep over. He lifts them up, holds it again until it uh, gets its equilibrium back, gives it a little food and water, and sends it off. But if there is no shepherd, an upside-down sheep gets stuck. And so that's what Jesus is talking about here. He's saying, look, you are helpless and you are harassed. Enemies can attack you. You are vulnerable if you don't have a shepherd. This is how Jesus saw the crowds. This is what he saw when he met men and women and he felt this deep sense of compassion for every single one of them. 
He wasn't frustrated with their uh, life decisions. He wasn't uh, demeaning toward them. He wasn't saying, what are you doing, you silly sheep? Like, why are you acting like that? His whole heart was looking at these people and saying, you are without a shepherd, and that deeply concerns me because you need one. You need somebody who's going to take care of you, who's going to hear you, who's going to answer your cry for help. Matthew 9.37 says, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Jesus had used this metaphor before, too. Um, he, after he talked to the Samaritan woman by the well in John 4, he said to the disciples, lift up your eyes, look at the fields. They are white with harvest. That word white, uh, it implies the grain is ripe, maybe even overripe. The field is overly ready for the harvest. The time is now, not tomorrow, not in a month or two, not when I can figure out what to say, not when I have the perfect situation or circumstance. The time for the reaping is now. People need to come under the care of the shepherd now, not later, not eventually, but they need a shepherd right now. And so when Jesus saw the people, he saw a harvest waiting. He saw a plentiful harvest, and it was just waiting to be reaped. It was, and it is ready to be reaped. And so I was thinking about when we pray, we often go to God and we ask him for things, right? Would you heal my grandma? Uh, would you help me get into this certain school? Would you land me a position that, that doubles my pay? Uh, would you give me direction about a specific decision? And I want to tell you today that absolutely and completely we should continue to pray those prayers. Because God loves to hear us. God loves it when we come to him. God loves to give us direction. But I have a question for you today. Have you ever prayed, God, what can I do for you? Have you ever prayed, God, what can I do for you? God, I'm your servant. I'm your worker. I want to be available for whatever you need. When's the last time you prayed a prayer of availability? And how would God answer that prayer? What would God say to you if you said, God, what can I do for you? Now, I want to tell you, I would not be a good pastor if I didn't tell you that this prayer comes with a warning label, okay? Because God's going to tell you something. God's going to direct you. And he may reveal a calling in your life that you never expected before. What do you mean? I'm going on a missions trip. I didn't mean that. Take it back. Take it back. Nope. Mm -mm. That's not what I thought you would say. Uh, what do you mean you want me to serve in this position that I feel super unqualified for? Oh, God. I mean, is, that, is there anything else? B. B on the list, right? Number two. He may show you a person he needs you to help. Uh, a sheep that's overturned. He may lead you to stay somewhere when you wanted to leave. He may call you to serve in a way that takes sacrifice. He may even ask you to do something you don't want to do or you don't like to do. He may ask you to give financially in a way that forces even your lifestyle to change. He may ask you to give up a hobby or a habit 
that is taking focus away from your spiritual life. He might ask a Steelers fan to be a Browns fan. I mean, it's not possible. I'm not, I, I don't know. But he may ask you to do something that you couldn't even imagine God asking you to do. But when you pray a prayer of availability, availability, you will encounter God in a whole new way. When you change your prayer from here's God, here's the things I need from you, to God, what can I do for you? You will encounter God in a whole new way. All throughout scripture, we see God sends people. There's a harvest. He needs laborers. And he prompts them and he leads them and he gives them specific assignments at specific times. And he uses us to accomplish his work on earth. So today we're going to answer this prayer that the disciples prayed. We're going to be an answer to a prayer that the disciples prayed and be laborers for the harvest. And so I want you to um, think about that person that I told you a few minutes ago that you wrote down. That, that needs maybe reconnected to God, Jesus or connected to God for the very first time. And I wanna walk us just through three um, ways you can pray for that person or someone like that person. And also in your Pray More booklet, there are more ideas. So I just pulled out a couple that we could talk about today. Uh, the first comes from John 6:44. This scripture says, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them and I will raise them up at the last day. Okay, so the Holy Spirit is constantly trying to draw people back into relationship with God. There is this consistent spiritual battle happening in the life of every unbeliever. And God does not give up on trying to do this tug of war of relationship with him. Okay, God is trying to get their attention in whatever way that he sees fit. And the unbeliever, someone who is resisting God, is pulling on the other end. And there's sort of this, this tug of war happening. In fact, the Greek word for draw in that scripture, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, that Greek word is helkuo, and it means to drag. Okay, so it's this mental image of like a rope tied around your waist, and the Holy Spirit is literally trying to drag everyone back to God and his plan for their life. Some of you are harder than others, okay? <laughs> but the Holy Spirit is finding ways to reveal himself. He's finding ways to show the truth of who he is. If, if I got to ask you how you came to follow Christ, you could most likely point to a moment or a season when the Holy Spirit began to draw or maybe quite literally drag you away from your sinful life and bring you closer to God. And that's what the scripture is saying. In fact, it's possible today that you're here at church, uh, not because you had the great desire to be here, but something was drawing you here. In fact, you might say, I can't even put my finger on it. I can't even quite describe it, but there's something that's drawing me here. I'm convinced that the Holy Spirit brought you here today so that you could know how important you are to God and that he has a plan for your life, a plan that's infinitely more than you could think or imagine. And if you feel that drawing or that hugging from the Holy Spirit, I want you to know that that's because God is trying to get your attention. And he's not trying to get your attention to tell you uh, how disappointed he is with you. He's trying to get your attention so he can be your shepherd because we're helpless and harassed without him. And he's pulling you into the great love of who he is. 
In fact, if that's you today and you're like, yeah, that's me, before you leave today, there are people at these prayer tables to my right and to my left. They want to talk to you. They want to help you understand what's happening spiritually. And so don't leave here without acknowledging that tug. In fact, you might just want to come up here at the end and say, well, whatever she said, okay? They'll know what you're talking about. But when you are praying for someone, maybe the person you wrote on that card or someone else that is far from God, you can ask the Father to draw the person to Jesus. And even almost mentally imagine the Spirit of God tying a rope around their waist and just gently pulling them in closer and closer to the perfect plan that God has for their life. Holy Spirit, draw my spouse to you. Holy Spirit, tie a rope around the waist of my daughter or my son and drag him back to you. Holy Spirit, help my coworker respond to your drawing. In fact, I just wanna stop right now. I just want you to take a minute and pray over that person that is on your card today and just uh, pray for them that God, the Father would draw them to the person of Jesus. So just do that for one minute right now, right from your seat. next, you can ask God um, that his or her spiritual eyes would be opened. You know, the truth is, um, sometimes the truth can be right in front of us sometimes, but something is blocking the view, right? Something is, is holding the person back. I want to read to you from 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. It actually describes this phenomena uh, in the spiritual realm. It says, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So the God of this age in the scripture, that is referring to the enemy, to Satan, and he works hard to blind the work of God and the salvation of God from people. And the scripture specifically says that the enemy blinds the minds of people far from God. And I think that is worth observing because um, I'm sure the emotions and the heart, they all play here too at times. But what this scripture is saying and what we see is that the mind is where the enemy works over time. The mind is where the enemy attacks. The mind is where we think. It's where we make decisions. It's where we learn. It's where we reason. And if a person doesn't think about God or learn about God or reason with God, then they stay blinded from the gospel. You know, mental health is at an all-time high right now in America. I looked it up. 50 million people in our nation right now are experiencing an attack on their mind. Depression and anxiety are, are primarily based in our minds. Now, I'm not saying these things are false or all in someone's head. They're very, very real things. But what I'm saying is the mind, what we think, what we learn, what we know, affects us deeply. The enemy knows that, that the mind is the thing that if it can get confused, if it can get off kilter, if what we're thinking is wrong, then everything else in our body, our heart, our emotions, our, our spiritual well-being, our emotional well-being, that is the thing that can get off course. 
We talked last week about praying scripture, but you know, God uses the word, God uses scripture to transmit the gospel because the scripture transforms the mind. You see that? The scripture touches the mind. And so we don't have to be afraid of the enemy attack on our mind because God already has a solution for that. And it's the word of God. Okay, and the word of God in our mind can protect us. That is where the battle is, and the word penetrates our mind. So when you're praying for someone far from God, you can ask for spiritual eyes to be open, that their mind would be changed, that the gospel would flood into their mind, and that the truth would be seen without any obstacles or distractions. We can pray for those things when we're asking God to transform their mind and open their spiritual eyes. Okay, so I want to do that for one minute. Pastor Andy, would you play? Uh, play the guitar, and then let's pray specifically for that person on your card or someone else if God is uh, prompting you. Ask for that person's spiritual eyes to be open and their mind to be transformed. Okay, here's the last one. Uh, about four years ago or so, uh, Joel and I celebrated our um, 15th wedding anniversary, and we decided, oh, that was nice. Um, <laughs> and uh, we decided, oh, it was four years ago, but we decided to take a trip to Nashville. Okay, we went, we'd never been there. We wanted to be there. And so one of the evenings, we went to hear some live music at this small place, uh, the small little cafe uh, called the Bluebird Cafe. And there was probably like 50 or 60 people in the whole place. It was very small. And our waitress came to take our order. And uh, after she left, I said, wow, Joel, she looks really familiar. I think I went to high school with her. Like, I, I really think we, we, went, we went to the same high school. And Joel laughed at me. He said, Nicole, we are 600 miles away from Erie, Pennsylvania. We know zero people in this town. There's no way she's from Seneca High School, which is a small rural school uh, south of the city. And like, she comes back, you know? And in this moment of, I'll just prove you wrong right here, right now kind of way, Joel, Joel asks the waitress, so where are you from? So she says, oh, all the way up in Pennsylvania. <laughs> and I smiled and I said, is your name Laura? And it was. It was her, okay? She graduated a year ahead of us in high school. It was our first time in, in Nashville, half the country away. She was our waitress in a super small little cafe. We never go to Nashville. What are the chances? Now, the funniest part, though, is she totally remembered Joel, but could not recall me at all. She had no idea who I was. He's awesome, so, you know, he has that effect on people. But I was like, geez. 
But I bet you could even think right now, you could chime in about some story you've experienced like this, some coincidence that one of those like Harry Met Sally type experiences that are just made for the movies. You can't believe that this would happen. And I want to propose to you something today is that what if there actually is no such thing as a coincidence? Like what if everything that happens Everything, every small and meaningless thing happens in perfect timing because there's a God who cares about you and cares about me and is in charge of all this. The word providence is not found in the most modern Bible translations, but the concept is certainly found all over the scriptures. Providence means God not only knows the big picture, but he also concerns himself with the tiniest of details. He governs all events. He upholds all things. He directs everything to its appointed time. He does this all the time and in every circumstances, and he does it always for his own glory. And so you can pray that God sends people into the lives of those you love who are far from him. You can pray that the college student who's far from God gets a roommate who's a Pentecostal, okay? (laughs) You can pray that your grandchild gets placed in a classroom where the teacher is committed to Jesus, even in a public school. You can pray that your coworker finds a new friend at the gym who is a Christ follower. You can pray that your dad meets a retired pastor at the VFW and they sit there all day long and talk about their backgrounds and, and the Holy Spirit and the power of God comes up. Listen, God is coordinating. He's piecing together the strategy. He wants every soul and every soul matters to him. And so when you are praying for those far from God, ask God to send people into their life who will share about his love. Ask God to send people all over the place, every time they travel, every time they go places. Ask God to do that, and God himself can coordinate anything. He is the ultimate strategist. Now one note about this prayer point is again, Get ready, because if someone else in this room or elsewhere is praying that prayer, God could use you to be that answer. Someone may have been praying for their aunt or their uncle or their child to run into someone else who's showing the love of God, and you are that person. You are that person. You are the Pentecostal roommate. You are the teacher. You are the person at the gym. You are the retired pastor. Someone might be praying that their loved one meets you. Are you ready to say, God, what can I do for you? The harvest is white and plentiful, but the workers are few. And so will you labor and do something significant for God? I want to give you a specific opportunity today when you came in uh, and also during uh, the sermon bumper, you got these uh, information about this thing we're calling Homecoming Sunday. It's coming up on September 17th. And it's, a, it's really a play on the season of the year, but it also is a representative of our hope that men and women all over this city will come home. That men and women all over the city will come home. And, and there are some who are far from God in this city. There are some who are walking with God, but far from God's house. And God wants his people together because in order to accomplish the big plan God has for his church, he needs all of us. And I'm going to be talking about that in this series that's coming up. But what I want you to do is take this invitation 
and get it in the hands of someone. If you can, invite the person that you previously wrote on the prayer card. And now, in some circumstances, that's not going to work because the person lives out of town or, or for some other reason. Then think of someone else. But this is not for you today. This is for you to give to someone else. Because we want to encourage men and women, kids and youth all over this city to come into the house of God so they can experience the Holy Spirit and that the Holy Spirit of God can meet us in those moments and do what only he can do. So I want you to get that in the hands of someone here in the next few weeks. We're going to have a great morning that day talking about the goodness of who God is, experiencing his presence. We're going to watch God turn it all around. So would you stand? Um, I asked the worship team to sing this song today. It's a prayer. Uh, it's a prayer that says, God, would you turn it around? So here's how we're going to end. Here's how we're going to respond. I want you to take that prayer card uh, with the person on it that's far from God. And during this song, if you're willing, I want you to bring it up to the altar. All right, just put it on the stairs or the platform here. We're not going to read them. We're not going to hang them up. Uh, no, no one's going to see them. Uh, but we're going to just make a natural action representing a supernatural thing in the spirit. It's the act of surrendering this person to God's plans. It's a faith act that you believe God is working. You care about this person. You want them to have the hope of Jesus and you're trusting God with their life. If you're having a hard time getting down the aisle, hand it to someone next to you. I am sure they would help you with pleasure taking your card down. But as we sing this song, and then as the altar fills up with cards and you're praying, God, turn it around, I want you to pray over all of our, everyone's uh, person today. Thank you for coming. Everyone's person today. I want you to pray over it. God, would you turn it around for all these people? God, would you turn it around? Would you bring these people close to you? Holy Spirit, we pray that you would send the drawing of the Holy Spirit, just like a rope around their waist, that you would pull them in to your presence, God, that they would know you, that they would know you in a personal way. We pray that you would rescue people from addictions, that you would rescue people from difficult circumstances, God. We pray that the hope of the gospel, Lord, would go forward. And for each of these people that you care so deeply about, God, we pray that you would turn it around. You would turn it around. It's in your name I pray. Amen.
of ways that you're moving in our family and our friends. God, we love you. We trust you. We know that you still heal today. You still save today. God, you still answer prayers today. And so, God, it's with that faith we go into this week. It's with that faith that we can walk into this week differently. We love you. We trust you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, we'll see you guys next Sunday. Don't miss it. We're really excited. Thank you for listening to the Erie First Podcast. We'd love it if you'd give us a rating and a review on your podcast app, and please subscribe so you never miss a message. You can follow Erie First on Facebook or Instagram, or visit eriefirst.org for all our latest news, announcements, and information. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time.